Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Ipswich, the Borough's injury crisis, and look ahead to Hull. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Master Chatter in the pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We're the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And three defeats in four for Bora, currently sitting in 12th place, three points off the playoffs. But we are three points better off than we were this, at the same point uh, last season. So silver line and all that. Uh, but Dana, um, defeat again yesterday at the Riverside. Um, what was your one key takeout from the week? Probably that when you have a significant amount of injuries, it is going to show at some point. And I think we saw that yesterday. Some people say that it's it's an excuse, but I think it is legitimate, valid reason. I mean, there were just no combinations yesterday that we typically see from Borough. I think the patterns of play were lacking and I did think during that game that if we had those players back or at least let's say like three of them on top of Dale Fry coming back, I think we would have made a better fist of it than we did. Now, I'm not going to say that we would have won. That's not what I'm saying. But I think the performance level would have been better. So, yeah, key injuries have hit Borough and hampered Borough at a key time, unfortunately. Yeah, and for, and for you, Tom, what was your, your one key takeout? My, key, my one key takeout is that we need some sort of Christmas miracle in the physio department. Um, for the pretty much the same reasons that that Dan has just summed up there, <clears throat> I might go one step further uh, and say that if we had a fully strength uh, full strength squad yesterday, I believe we would have won that because I didn't think they were particularly that good. Um, which I mean, going into the game, I was expecting more, so I don't know if that's potentially the reason I'm thinking that, like that. I haven't seen a great deal of Ipswich this season, but obviously the table doesn't lie, uh, unlike what certain other people might say occasionally. But um, I did see like a goal last week of like one of their fullbacks scoring a Trevella or something. I was like, kind of looking forward to seeing what they had to offer this week, and I, I imagine they're, they're where they are for a reason. But it's not off performances like yesterday. 
but yeah, I just I, I felt like we could have gone at them yesterday, but we had extremely disjointed squads. A lot of the time, it looked like they'd not play together because we couldn't string two passes together at times, and I would put that down to the lack of familiar, familiarity with a large amount of players missing. So, I've, I've, like I said, I, I think if it was a full-strength squad, it'd be a very different match. But it's just it's very frustrating to see at the moment, and it's frustrating as a fan to kind of hear the press conferences every week, where the question is that always asked: Are certain players any closer to being back from injury? And it's it's always a very vague answer. Obviously, I know we don't want to give t- kind of too much away about the uh, the health of our players, but. It's a very vague answer and say, oh, they'll be back when they're back and, and, and stuff like that. And it just it never seems like they are ever any closer to coming back at times. And if if they are, it'll be a complete surprise to us. Yeah, and the injuries are racking up, getting worse. A couple of people hobbling about yesterday as well. And my key takeout for the week is Borough's decision-making cost them the game yesterday. Reason being multiple reasons I think in the first half there was poor decisions whilst the ball was in play and we were able to try and switch the ball to angle when he's in loads of space when we never and when we're going forward we weren't making that right pass I think the second one is the second goal and I'll come to that very soon where if we make a, a better decision the second goal probably doesn't materialize the way it does and I would say that the third one for as part of the key takeout is ill discipline and letting see in, in seeing games and reacting in, in ways where we give poor foul poor fouls away, cheap fouls, and also we we just our heads fall off essentially in, in certain moments of the game. I look at Greenwood at times, I look at uh Matt Crooks uh yesterday where we make silly fouls and, and challenges where you put your team potentially in jeopardy and you get yourself booked in, at a time where we are really racking up these injuries and suspensions. And I think just be a bit more mindful of and not be as reactory in, in games. And yeah, I think decision-making for me is our our downfall for the week. But let's look at the game yesterday because Ipswich went on and, and won 2-0 yesterday. And we're next year of 0.94, Borough was 0.46 as well. So a very, very tight game. It was a game that was probably going to be dictated in moments or one or two key factors and Connor Chaplin scored in the first half, and Omari Hutchinson round off a, a really good win for, for Ipswich. But Dana, what was your overall assessment of the game yesterday? I just thought we were crap, to be honest. I think a lot of people, myself included, built up the game as a clash between two very attack-minded teams, and I expected it to be an entertaining game, but I was kind of disappointed in it, to be honest. I think the first half was very subdued, it could potentially be put down to both teams feeling each other out a little bit. And me and Ben Bloom were talking about it on the opposition preview show that maybe maybe they'll cancel each other out. And I do think we saw an element of that in the first half. So it was a little bit flat, a little bit boring, dare I say. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot to really say about it. There wasn't a lot of incident, a lot to know up until the goal. And then in the second half, I just thought we were, we just lacked quality at the end of the day. We massively lacked quality. As I said, the combinations, the Crooks and Jones link up obviously wasn't there because Jones was absent. And I think we definitely felt the absence of the players that 
were missing. I think there was a period in that second half where we looked like we were growing into it. We had a couple of corners and we had opportunities to or openings to create opportunities. But we were slow with the ball. I think we were cumbersome in possession and ultimately it just we didn't really get going at any point during the game. So yeah, it was really disappointing. I don't think Ipswich, well, I thought at the time I didn't think Ipswich were that impressive, but then I went back home after the game and I thought, actually, they were. And I'll tell you why. Because they control pretty much every part of that football match, specifically when they were out of possession. And I think when you have that, the reason for it basically is good coaching to be well drilled as a very basic starting point, I think is definitely the basis of a good result. And yeah, out of possession, they were fantastic. They were very well organized. They had Borough exactly where they wanted them, kept them at bay, kept them to non-threatening positions. And they picked us off with two very effective goals um obviously the, the first one's deflected but the second one is really well worked so yeah fair play to them they're up there for a reason I think we saw that yesterday they might not been might not have been at their swashbuckling best but out of possession they were absolutely fantastic kept Borg exactly where they needed to be and then yeah just picked us off so we didn't deserve anything from the game and that's what we got Tom, is there anything that you, you want to add to that in terms of the, the overall defeat? I know you said at the, at the start of the show that you know Ipswich weren't um, you weren't particularly impressed. Obviously, Dana's came up with a, more of a, an impressed approach in terms of off-the-ball stuff and how they controlled it. But what's your overall assessment of things? Yeah, I mean, the reason I wasn't particularly impressed, I mean, like I said, I've not watched a lot of Ipswich this, uh, this season. I think in terms of the results, like they speak for themselves in terms of attacking. So I was expecting to see a little bit more going forward in the first half. I mean, this, this counts for both teams as well, but I didn't think there was anything they were coming up with that we weren't equal to. We were cutting out a lot of their crosses. Um, and it never really, they never really looked like scoring for me. I mean, we didn't either, but they didn't. And then, it's just that that goal, obviously in, incomplete clearance, um, catch it on the volley, deflects off Mark Clark and in, and it's a completely different game from that point. And that does allow them to to I mean not not even change shape out of possession, but just I don't know, you can slow the game down at times and and, and you know, prevent Borough from from kind of doing anything because you've already got that that one goal lead and you can you can take your time a little bit more, I think is is what I'm kinda of wanting to say there. On the Borough side of things, we were awful and there were I don't want to sound kind of too much like BBCT's phone in person here where they're all like super reactive and stuff, but there were far too many passengers in the team. For me yesterday, I don't understand the reasoning behind putting Sam Greenwood right wing. It took me about 40 minutes to realise he was playing. And <laughs> by the time he came off, I was like, he's come off about 70 minutes too, too late because he didn't offer anything in that right-hand side, uh, that right-wing role. Anytime he got the ball, he wasn't necessarily looking to to take a man on or you know build anything in terms of a passing move. It was going backwards. I mean, Engel was doing the same on, on his side, particularly in the first half. And that was a bit of a shame considering, I think, one of the the only positives we can maybe take from the last couple of games is Matt Clark being back 
and he him being left-footed actually allows him to play that ball in front of Engel, which when Engel's not running onto it and kind of taking advantage of that, it's it's a bit frustrating to watch. On the right-hand side, there was absolutely no link-up at all. I, I, I think putting Greenwood there, it's a complete change of shape from, from what we're used to with Jones. And the thing is as well, I mean, I said this to my dad halfway through the, the game, we're missing something on that right-hand side. And I don't even think it's necessarily only Isaiah Jones that could offer that. I think the the obvious change for that game would have been Silvera right right wing instead of Sam Greenwood. But like I say, I, I thought that made us incredibly one-sided, well, lopsided in, in terms of our attacking. And, you know, it was obvious what we were going to do. And, and that absolutely plays into Ipswich's hands as well, where, you know, off the ball they're they're quite organized, but they only have to to really worry about one side. And the the wing back on that side keeps going backwards. Um I will say as well, I mean I, I know we we rate him on this podcast and we've we know what he can offer, but it gets a lot harder to defend Dan Barlasa after performances like yesterday. I didn't think he progressed the ball well at all. Passing was a bit off at, at times. And I just, I don't think, in, in terms of a player profile in centre midfield, I don't know what we're going for there, considering Hackney and Housen offer something in terms of being box to box and progressing the ball. But Dan Barlas is a very different type of player in that respect. And I've mentioned it before, he needs to kind of like work on, on progressing the ball. And he has done that in games. Uh, albeit I've mainly seen it in cup games uh, and against much lower opposition, but he really needs to to be doing that and 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 being able to fill in when Hackney or Housen are out because, like I say, it's it's hard to defend him after after games like yesterday, and I want him to do well here, um, but he just didn't have a a good game. And then one of the other people who was getting absolute pelters on BBCTs was Morgan Rogers. And on 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 the drive back, I was like, "Well, you know what? Morgan Rogers was one of the only people to kind of like get me off my seat at times." And you know, in, in terms of his dribbling, he, he had a good uh, you know a, a good few runs. But looking back on the game and and you know, think back on what he did, it was always that last touch that kind of let him down. It was either the touch was too heavy when he was trying to like create space for himself, or the final pass was the wrong one. I was like, for for everything you, all, all the kind of chaos you're causing going forwards, and like holding these players off, and you know progressing the ball from from midfield, it's always just that last touch that that kind of lets you down. And um, you know, I, I was confused as to why he was one of the main boo boys uh, on on BBC T's, and you know, Sam Greenwood wasn't mentioned at all yesterday because um, honestly, that that's where I noticed it the most, but. Again, I really want Morgan Rogers to to do well, and I think this is going to kind of come down to to development. Um, you know, like Kieran Scott said in his his interview a couple of weeks ago, uh, we are buying permanent players and trying to develop them. And I imagine it's going to be the same with Latte Laugh as well. If someone can kind of teach him some better decision making and composure, but it's it's that type of thing. Like if if these players had the full package, they wouldn't be playing for us. But it's it's frustrating to see at, at times where we're just you know we're we're in December now and they're still kind of making these mistakes. Sorry, I know I've rambled on a long time there. But... 
<laughs> and I, hey, you, you, that's what you. I asked for your thoughts, Tom. You gave me them. And there's there's a lot I think to unpack from it when you look at like the the players that, that played yesterday and why we didn't get the most out of the performances. Tactically, with Greenwood on the right and Rogers on the left, naturally these players want to play centrally. So then you create like a really narrow shape. And when you're a a team like Ipswich and you wanted to control a game, you want to play over narrow shape. So you you try and force a team out wide because that's where you're least likely to to create a chance or score. So with Bora trying to be have more players centrally, like Greenwood and like Rogers, you don't really create much of a, a an opportunity for Barlasa to spread the ball out wide or to create an overlap. And then when you have Vandenberg, who isn't naturally a winger and overlaps and we want to play back, it'll come more centrally again. And then for Engel, he's looking on that ball on the left-hand side and he's looking for a winger or he's looking for something to create space. But when, some, everyone, when everyone's so central, there's nothing much on. So you're safer places to actually play back and then you you start that 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 horseshoe type of uh, play where you just play it from side to side and you try and create this thing. But what you could have done, really done, and I fully agree with you, is play Silvera on the right yesterday or you play Rodgers on the right and you just try and stretch a game out. The more you stretch a team out, you will try and pull teams apart or you'll hopefully, if they're doing a man-to-man system, they will create space for the likes of Greenwood on the left to come across or on the on the, on the right to come across or Rodgers on the left to, to come across to create those overloads. But we just didn't do that yesterday and that was where it's really frustrating it was quite similar to what we were saying at the start of the season where we were doing that same thing where we were all trying to come a bit too narrow and weren't creating as many chances and trying to play through teams the option yesterday we could have also tried to play a long ball because I think that long ball was always on all day if you wanted to do it uh, but when you're playing with like a laugh up top you need someone with him, I think. And I know we've said before, well, I'd like to see maybe Colburn and Latte together because I think they'll probably bring out the best of both. Because I think when they're individually to get in by themselves, they don't really create a huge impact. But Latte Laugh yesterday had a chance and he should be putting that away. But overall, it was a, a game where I think we played in a lot into Ipswich's hands. But Ipswich were very good for me on, on off the ball yesterday. Dana, were you going to jump in there? Yeah, I was going to say something about Silvera. To be fair, everyone seems to assume that Silvera is or will be a winger to take it on the outside. We haven't seen that that much. We saw it against West Brom where he set up Latte Laugh, but Silvera seems like the type of player that wants to shoot, so he wants to cut inside, he wants to get that shot off. I'm not convinced that had Silvera played yesterday that it would have been any different. I don't know whether it's on instruction or whether the natural instinct is to go central, but I mean, I agree with you completely. It was completely condensed in the middle and we had no outlet. Oh, actually we did. It was Lucas Engel. He just wasn't being passed to for some reason. Didn't we have a game like that earlier on this season where Paddy McNair did not want to pass to Engel at all? It was very reminiscent of that and it was so frustrating to watch us because everything was so clogged in that central area. There was no out ball, whereas conversely with Ipswich, um, they like to accumulate a lot of possession on that left-hand side and then punt that ball to the right-hand side with Wes Burns. And so they shift it from one side to the other, which we saw very often under Michael Carrick last season. And so... It was incredibly frustrating to see Bora be as predictable as they were yesterday. I just, I'm not sure that Silvera would have changed that much. And plus, there were so many off 
performances yesterday individually that I just I don't think one player would have changed it. I will say though, kind of contradicting my point potentially, but I think we did miss Isaiah Jones because I know that he will give us that width. I'm not sure that Silvera would have. I wouldn't say Silvera was the uh the player. I would say the substitution or player that should have came on earlier yesterday is you put Bangura at left back and you push Engel further up because naturally both of them are were wingers by trade and you stretch a team out. If you play with a left and a right footer on, on the respective wings, you could keep Rogers out wide if you want to. Um, you just try to stretch a team. I think that's where you create that uh, space because you can still do, if you have that left and right, you could still push Rogers over in that central area and still just do it as an opposite, you know, where previously where we look to the left and we play that player on the left-hand side to come inwards, you just flip it over to the right side. And I think if you had those two, the two full-backs on the wings, I think you would have stretched the game a little bit further. But go on, Tom, you're going to come in there. I was going to say, just on, on Silvera and the point Dana made about him kind of wanting to, to cut in and shoot all the time, I think because we've seen him primarily deployed on the left and he's right-footed. And, I, I mean, we knew it kind of com- coming into signing him and, and what we'd seen in terms of the clips that he was wanting to kind of cut inside and, and take a shot off. I do think because he was playing in that position, it would have been his instruction prior. But if you put him on the mm, right-hand right. side with with instructions to try and get at your man and put a cross in, we might see a, a different performance from him. I mean, I'd hope so if that's what he's being told to do and you know, it's his job. I'm not trying to sound like Roy Keane. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of his agility and his ability to kind of like take a man on, he could offer that on the right-hand side. I don't think he'd have made a massive difference yesterday. But my issue with putting Greenwood there instead of Silvera is it does offer something different to to our usual system. Um, and, you know, we became lopsided on that left-hand side because I, I didn't feel like Greenwood was was offering anything on the right-hand side, especially anything similar to what Isaiah Jones would normally do. If you put Silvera there with Isaiah Jones's usual instructions, I, I think we probably see him trying to put in a similar well, similar kind of style of playing that position to Isaiah Jones. Whether or not he does it, I don't know. Um, but I don't see him kind of cutting inside to try and shoot on his left. I think it's he would be trying to take his man on. But how that would have gone, I don't know. Yeah, and it comes back down to decision making, doesn't it? And like in in the game and how decisions can influence moments on the pitch. And I want to go and have a look at the second goal from Ipswich yesterday because it's a really interesting goal when you do break it down. But I want to have a quick look at just the the actual how when the free kick was taken because when the free kick actually is taken, there is a lot of space between uh, the midfield line and the defensive line. And you, when you look at Mills was attacking uh, attacking front four plus Balassa, they create a lot of space. In Borgo, man for man, in, in this re, in this free kick, and the hope that Ipswich go along really. And Wolfenden, he has a look and goes, "Hmm, uh, Hurst is free, and he's going to pull away from from Matt Clark." And he does. He pulls, and what Hurst does really, really well. And it's very simple strike uh, centre forward play is that he's pushing back and pushing back on Clark, and then he goes and he goes forward. He creates that space for himself, and he's able to to turn. Uh, Matt Clark really well, but as he, but as before that ball's even been taken, I want you want to look at Amari Hutchinson because he pulls away from Fry and he's already on his bike before that ball's even played to Hurst, so he's already created that distance. He's already got Dale Fry on the back foot, and Dale Fry 
is actually ball watching at the time. And when the ball does get played, it's actually a really heavy touch from Hurst. And Connor Chaplin, he sees the run from Omari Hutchinson um, and is able to play the ball through. And he is a, a good yard or two on side and is able to put the ball away. But there's a moment in, in this game where I think when you look at the goal from that, and you go, wow, why is Middlesbrough so like aggressive in that press? Why are they so, uh, you know, creating that much space? Well, actually, when you look at the goal back from way before that free kick's been taken, there's a really good clip about Dan Balassa early on from it. And he's looking at uh, Johnny House and he's looking at Dale Fry and saying, okay, you get Hutchinson. And he's getting told to walk towards and really press forwards uh, for, for against this Wolfenden pass. But if he actually doesn't, do this movement of going forward. This goal probably actually doesn't even happen before the free kick's even even been taken. So if he's actually able to stay back in that moment and he's able to stay on the, the centre circle, uh, the ball doesn't get played through. Uh, you can put like a laugh and Matt Crooks can uh, mark Sam Marcy and, and the other midfielder and you go, you still go man for man, but you create an extra body within with, within that uh, that midfield, so the ball won't get played through. But when we talk about decisions and whether we need to stick or twist in those moments, I think if Dan Balassas does stay there and we don't have that, that really aggressive press, when we don't need to as well, we don't need to, the ball is at the other end of the pitch. Uh, you know, there's, They're not going to really play a really short ball and create danger on the edge of your own box. You're even going to probably more likely play it long in those moments. If you just stay and you commit the right decision, that doesn't happen. And there's a couple of things in there where there's a couple of bad decisions like Dale Fry, you can pull them apart and say, well, actually you're tracking your runner there. Matt Clark, use your experience and don't get turned so quickly and very simple um, turn. You can go look at Lucas Angle and say, do you step up a little bit sooner? And there's so many things that are individually wrong in that goal, but it all stems from that movement from Dan Balassa. When he's really, when you look at the clip back, he actually doesn't want to take that run. He doesn't want to press forward, but he gets told to press and then it goes and materializes from there. And it's a really good strike from Mario Hutchinson. You could maybe even say that Dien could be positioned a little bit better, but we won't go into that. And that sealed a really good win for Ipswich. And they're absolutely flying, still second in the championship table now. But for Borough, we are three defeats in four now in the in the championship. Bristol City leads and now Ipswich, of course, we did beat Preston. But we are still three points off the playoffs and it's not uh, uh, the worst thing in the world. And Borough's injury list is massive now. And we, we alluded to that at the, at the start of the show. But Tom, do you think that the injury and suspension problem now that we, we really do have is starting to play a real catch up with Borough? Because it started off okay and now it's starting to get progressively a little bit worse. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose the one positive for, on that front for, for Wednesday is that Jones and Dykesteel are back. Um, so only one one game suspensions for for both of them for a second yellow and for, for five yellows. So we've at least got a couple of senior players back from that. But like I said earlier, it's, it's frustrating every week where it seems like these players are no further along to, to being able to play. Um, it it's definitely catching up with us. I think we we saw that yesterday. And, you know, we just need some of these players back to to be able to really kind of progress this season. 
you know, what I wouldn't give now to see, you know, <laughs> Riley McGree and Marcus Force back in, in the team um, and, and just kind of offering something in terms of creativity or, uh, you know, Hayden Hackney in, in midfield, um, even Paddy McNair being, being backwards would definitely help. Um, although, like I've said before, I suppose the, the one positive from, from him being out uh, is that Matt Clark's come back in sooner and um you know, I might talk about him a little bit more in in a little bit but he's uh I mean it, it definitely lo- looks like even though he's been out for a year that ability's still not left him. Uh he he is still looking like a, a good defender even though it is worrying for me anytime he goes into anything physical. I just don't want him to be out that long that long again. But um yeah it's it's getting for certain, I, I, and I think as well, particularly in December, one of the most condensed times of year in terms of fixtures, we really need to, to be utilising squad depth and you know having that many players out uh, in December is definitely not a good thing. And I just, I kind of hope as well that, that people aren't pinning the hopes on us using the, the transfer window to sort this out in January because um, it, it would mean... You know, a hell of a January transfer window to kind of fill in all those gaps. Um, I can maybe see a couple of loan signings, and you know, but then, then I, I still think we'll be kind of sticking to our our plan as we had it. Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to go into January with you know ten players missing. Be like, right, we need to sign ten players because it's just not how it's going to work. Um, I can I can maybe see us. Kind of like unregistering or deregistering uh, Lenahan and Smith as they can't play for the rest of the season, and kind of replacing them with loan signings, shore up the defense a little bit, and and then I think it's going to be looking at the positions where we plan to strengthen all along. You were saying about Matt Clark there, and obviously he came back in and he looked really good. For in my opinion, yesterday I thought he was I thought he was probably one of Boris' best players, even though I did deflect off his head and go in the, to the to the corner, but. What how how would you think he did yesterday, Tom? The more he's playing now, the more he's starting to to get back used to playing that that level again. So, what, what was your overall assessment on him? I'm I'm the same as you with that, Johnny. I, I definitely thought he was one of our better players yesterday, and I mean it, it's not a particularly high bar for that performance yesterday, but he did uh, kind of stand out in defence. Um, I'm happy having him back, as I mentioned earlier. Having him back means we can kind of progress it down the left a little bit quicker with him being left-footed, and he can play that uh, that kind of um, in-swinging pass down the left, um, kind of keeping it out of uh, from going out of play on like a right-footed centre backwards. Um, you know, in terms of his defensive abilities, I thought what we've seen in the last couple of games, barring, you know, the first 30 seconds he came on against Leeds and uh, being forced into that tackle that that gave away a penalty, I I think he's looked really good uh, in in terms of his defensive qualities, his positioning. Um, It's just like I say, it's it's always a heart and mouth moment if he goes into anything physical. It's just like, oh, is he going to come out with it? All right, we know kind of how serious his injury was, but happy to have him back. you know, as we know, he was player of the year like what three three times for two different loan teams before he signed for us. Like he clearly has the ability. Um, he's an ex- experienced championship centre back. It's great to have him back in the team. Um, I like I said, I just hope he can stay injury free. 
Yeah, and then obviously a lot of all the injuries that Bora have now in the suspensions, you know, with players out, it's still a great opportunity for someone to come in and take something and, and, and create a or make that position their own. Do you think there's any players that have have done themselves good with all the injuries that we, we've had? Not really. I, yeah. I don't I don't think I can say with confidence that anyone has, to be honest. I mean, Clark is one, but by virtue of the fact that we don't have anyone else really to come in at centre back. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really say anybody because Latte Lath has come back in and there's always a question about Latte Lath. What is his best position? Yesterday someone on T said he should play number ten, you know, we should trial him there. We've had oh Latte Lath could be a, a right winger. So the fact that there is that conversation to even start with just tells me that he's not doing like I wouldn't say he's not doing a good job at centre half because at the end of the day he is scoring goals but then his performances I don't think have been particularly strong and he's so frustrating I mean if anything could sum up that game yesterday it was probably that point where Latte Lath had the ball in the left channel and then within one single touch ended up in the right wing yeah, the trampoline touch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think that. I think that was an ultra trampoline touch, if you could get that. It was, yeah, I think that epitomizes Lyle Lath. So, yeah, I don't think anyone really has come in and really staked a claim to, to really start consistently, even when the injuries are back. Like Sam Greenwood, for example, as soon as Riley McGree comes back, he's back in that side and Greenwood's probably benched. So, yeah, I wouldn't really say that anyone has staked a claim, to be honest. Okay, then, well, let's move on now um, and let's move on to podcast questions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. IS podcast questions every week you get the chance to ask us a question by Twitter borough underscore breakdown uh, email the breakdown hotmail.com or by joining our telegram chat with over 360 Borough fans chatting everything but Borough and the first question uh, is from Joe and he says with Josh Corburn in the start 11 we have only lost one game in 10 with Josh Corburn on the bench we've only won one game in 10 uh, is this a coincidence uh, or do we just work better as a team and a unit when Josh is up front um, who would like to take this one? Uh, he's both looking that you don't want to answer it. Tom, so no, I, Tom, Tom had some opinions yesterday, so I think Tom should go take for it. This Tom, one. Tom, you can take this one. I can't remember what the opinions were. Uh, <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I think I know. I think I know what you're you're talking about. I think I, I was sat in the car listening to BBC T's, and everyone was going about Josh Coburn. I'm like, it's weird how he suddenly turns into like prime fat Ronaldo when when he's been benched for for a little while like he's going to come in and score all these goals like he didn't score those goals when he was in the team however I can understand the the argument to to put him in the team because I think in terms of link up play up front he did that quite well uh, I think it also shows what we need to look for in a striker in in January um I feel like what we are missing this season, I mean, it's easy to say this considering he got 29 goals last season, but we're, we're missing someone with Akpom's qualities. And I'm not even necessarily talking about the finishing here. I'm talking about being able to to link the, the midfield and attack, get on the ball, hold it up and, and you know, play it to... Played off to 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 the wings a, a lot of the time. You know, we it was after the Blackpool game last season where Rackham was saying, um, you know, I know from training where everyone's supposed to be. I know where Force is supposed to be. I know where Giles is supposed to be. That's what you want in in, in a guy who's playing number ten, uh, and and you're being able to to help build those attacking moves. The fact that he was in the positions to score the goals at the end of those moves was was kind of a bonus to that as well. Uh, and hell of a bonus as well for for twenty nine goals, but I, I think we we do need someone who's a little bit quicker in in that number ten role and and you know reacts a little bit quicker. I don't think that's Corburn, and I don't think that's Crooks. Um, I think what, either of those could still play a role in the team, um, and and you know playing that that kind of more advanced number nine role. But I, I think. The clamour for, for Coburn coming back in is because he offers something like that, but I also don't think he's the solution to to the issue in terms of the, the style of player that we have. We we need still need to fill that role, um, but Coburn is a, a pretty good kind of stopgap until we get there, I think. Okay, and the next question is from Keith, and he says, when all players are available, what's the best front four we can start? So I'll ask you both this question. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with uh, Greenwood on the left. Not Greenwood on the left. Sorry, Ryan McGree on the left. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Riley McGrew on the left-hand side, I would go uh, with, probably right now, I'd go Latte Laugh up top. I'd go with Isaiah Jones on the right, and I'd probably stick with Crooksy right now, uh, to be honest. But for me, I really like Morgan Rogers. I really, really do. But I just didn't think he suited that number 10 role uh, at the start of the start of the season. But there is... It could be. It could still work. He's got like the attributes to do it. But I just don't think he's he's ready for it right now. And what what do you guys think? What Dana? What's your your best front four? I'd probably say McGree. Well, definitely say McGree on the left. Jones on the right. Crooks number ten. And I'll be completely transparent with you. I think it's six and two threes on who's centre forward because I think they're both equally as average. Like I give Corbin more leeway because he's a young player and he's developing Latilath is 24 so he's further down that development ladder or further up it shall I say if I want to stick with that analogy so yeah it's obvious really I say that that's the best one that we have available to us but that's not good enough to get us into the top six in my opinion if that's our aspirations which it should be based on where we were last season so I'm looking at number 10 I'm looking at centre forward and I'm thinking we definitely need reinforcements there and I would even say depending on how how uh, long force is out for that we could potentially need a right winger as well somebody that can offer that width that isn't Isaiah Jones because nine times out of ten or I'll say eight times out of ten Jones's final ball is lacking so yeah even given the fact that I think that that's the best available front four should everyone be fit, I still think it needs yeah. additions just to bump that quality up somewhat. Actually, I'm going to switch force over for like a laugh and play force up top. There you go. Um, but Shit, Tom... I actually forgot about force. Sorry, I'd put force in mine instead of Jones. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I forgot so about Jones. Then, I, for, I forgot about force, then remembered force, but still emitted <laughs> force. So I'm going to put him Johnny, back in there. Yes, Johnny, yeah, you I jumped right, force, right so. in there and put force up top right before I had the chance to sit. But <laughs> I, I'd love to see force up top. Um, or, or Never going to happen. Corbin. It's not going to happen. No. But I would like to see that. But then the, the three behind him, I would have the same as you, Johnny. I would have McGree, Crooks and Jones. And then... The, the next question is from Romy says, what are we missing in attack when it's not working? What type of striker do we need? How will we make four or five spaces in the squad to add new players in Jan? Tom, I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier on around uh, deregistering players who are probably out for the season, which we can definitely do. And, you know, in terms of when it's not working, this, your strikers are only as good as the team as the team around you. And if everyone's playing narrow and not giving you the space, then that's probably the reason why it's not working. And to be honest, I, I looked at it yesterday. Lati Laf was playing left winger for the most of the second half. Because I think he was just wanting some space at that, at that point because it was so crowded in that in that central area and he was trying to give Brent Middlesbrough an outlet. And he's, re- he's it's probably a strength is running in with the ball and, and, and going forward and, and taking a strike. But like I said on our, uh, our early show about Lati Laf, that... If you give him more than one decision to make, he probably makes the wrong one. Uh, but and in terms of like what striker do we need, I think you know, you've both kind of alluded to it in the, in the last couple of questions. So we'll move on um, into the final one. It's from Gockle. And he says, can Sam Silvera really contribute to Borough games for the rest of the season? He has decent pace and dribbling, but he seems to lack the precision and smoothness in the link-up play at times. He wasn't picked at the start of the game in which we needed someone like him. 
I think he can contribute at this level. He just needs a run of games where he's allowed to make mistakes. Is it better for both Bora and him to get loaned out to another team for the rest of the season? And we are reassessing in the summer. So a few questions within that. Uh, but Dan, I'll let you take it. And can Salami Silvera really contribute for Bora games this season? And would you actually loan him out? I wouldn't loan him out, no. I think he can make a positive impact for us. Maybe we do just need to play him as a right wing. I think Tom's point earlier was good. I didn't realise that he was right footed. I thought he was left footed, to be honest. But, yeah, with him, he's frustrating, is Silvera. He frustrates me as much as Latte Lath frustrates me because when he cuts inside, he just puts too much power behind his shots and I think we see them hit Rosette more times than not. But I actually listened back to our opposition, sorry, our our insight, our lowdown video for Sammy Silvera. And the insight that we were provided from Pete, I think, Central Coast Mariners fan, um, he said that he is explosive. He's got very good one-on-1v1 dribbling. And he's a live wire. That's what he said. We haven't quite seen that with Sammy Silvera. So maybe we have to facilitate him being better in his performances by playing him on that right-hand side, maybe. So, yeah, I think he can. I think he can make an impact. But as with a lot of players, with Rogers, with Latte Lath, with even the fullbacks, Engel and Bangura, we just need to allow them time to refine their game to improve to develop I know it's maybe something that people roll their eyes at because it's said quite a lot but I do just think these players need time and they're going to be frustrating until they reach that point of refinement but hopefully with Silvera we could give him that uh, patience and yeah I'm going to get frustrated with him (laughs) because he is frustrating but at the end of the day I think he can be a good player for us he just probably just needs that game time really if we can bring him off the bench a lot more, see him play, see him get really embedded into this team. I think we've got a good player there. He just needs to, it just needs to be unlocked, like with many players in this side as well. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? You can't come in there and just make an instant impact straight away. You just moved <laughs> over from half across the world. Um, but yeah, he, he looks, this, the, all players, isn't it? I think game time and rhythm and trying to play as much as you can and again, across things, make sure all, make sure always uh, a better player for sure. Uh, but thank you very much for, for questions this week. It's now trivia time. Uh, everyone loves a bit of trivia on this podcast. And, you know, each week I ask you a question. And, you know, you, you might get it, you might not. But this week, I think I went with a little bit of an easier one, I would say, this week, uh, with the last one uh, being quite difficult. And also, there was a lot of players I missed out in terms of who played for both Borough and Switch. Uh, <laughs> I think there was about four, four or five more, which I just accidentally left out. Uh, but it, we'll move on. And the question this week uh, for, for Borough versus Hull is, in 2011, in the 4-2 win uh, where we beat Hull, where Maxi Haas absolutely played the game of his life and was never seen ever again after that. Um, who was the former Borough player who was in, who was the manager of Hull? So which former Borough player was the manager of Hull in that 2011 game where Borough won 4-2? And the timer starts now.
time is up. And I'm probably thinking if you're in your car, you're walking your dog, you're washing the dishes, you might have got this answer already. You may be like, ah, no, this is a shit part of the show. I don't want to really listen to this too much. But I'm coming to you guys anyway for your answers. Uh, and Tom, you look very smug there. You look like you think you know the answer. So who is your answer? Who have you went for? I think I know the answer. I've gone with Nigel Pearson. Mm, okay. I feel like I can remember him being Hall Manager. Uh, I remember being at that game. It's the first ever time I, I, I drank, so it's a good thing I can remember being <laughs> at the game. But, um, yeah, I think it was him. Okay, you went with Nigel Pearson. Now, N- Nigel Pearson has managed a lot of clubs uh, in his time, and he was indeed a manager of Hull between 2010 and 2011. But he wasn't the manager in that game. Um, Dana, who have you went with uh, on this one? Oh, this one, I had to really rack my brain, and I'm not sure. Because I know he played for them. I don't know if he managed them. Nick Barnby. That is correct. It is Nick Barnby. He was manager <laughs> of Hull. And they did go on a stint where he was doing very well as a manager um, at, at Hull City. But then it all just fell away and he got sacked um after they spent quite a bit of money on him as well and to be fair it was his only managerial uh job to date actually and he had a 40 percent win rate and then just never managed again um but there you hmm. go some some nick barnby history right there and he was manager from the 15th of november uh to the 8th of may uh 2012 um but let's move on to the game against Hull uh, midweek and um, the Tigers come to the Riverside in eighth place in the joint sixth in the championship table but to find out how they've got there and how the season have went so far we spoke to Ant Northgrave from Ant, uh, from Hull and back to find out a little bit more yeah so our season so far has been a bit up and down inconsistent but we are in a position where I think the vast majority of City fans if you'd asked them before the season started um, they would have taken it um, you know we're level on points with sixth place we missed an opportunity to go fifth yesterday with a win um, but those same reoccurring injury problems that we had from last season uh, threatening to derail what was a really good start. Um, it looks like Philogene might be out for a while as well, so that's a bit of a worry. But like you say, we, 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 the style of play under Rosini has been brilliant. Um, it's, it's you know, we, we we like the two midfielders sitting deep, Morton and Seri, and then we try and create, you know, that gap between, uh, we will try and bridge the gap between defence and attack and, and, and try and counter teams with, with pace on the wings. But, um Keeping a right-sided winger, Lakilo fit has been an issue this season. I feel like we need another winger for for support out there because otherwise we end up playing centre midfielders out there. So yeah, it's been a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, definite players to watch. I would have said Philogene, um, but he's most likely going to be out for a few weeks now with a medial injury. I think um, that he suffered in the beginning of the second half against QPR. Uh, but Tyler Morton's very good. Um, recently got his England and twenty-one debut. Scored three goals in a week last uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, he's been very good, and Liam Delap has been outstanding. Um, he's our focal point. You know, very aggressive uh, in his style of play. He's very, he just runs at defenders, creates an absolute host of problems for him. Um, so yeah, I'd say Liam Delap and Tyler Martin will be our ones to watch if Philogene's not fit. Um, and the prediction for Borough, we never get anything from the Riverside, just as we never get anything from Loftus Road. So it's two burgy grounds in a row, which isn't ideal, given the current situation. Um, but uh, Rosini probably will just make us go back to being hard to beat rather than try and score goals. So I, I can't imagine it's a high-scoring affair. Um, but I do think the Borough will do us this game. Um, I'm going to say it will be Middlesbrough 2-Hull 1. Yeah, unfortunately. So thank you very much uh, 
for that. And um, just going back to uh, the old uh, trivia question, I've actually got it wrong. Uh, it actually was uh, Nigel Pearson, so Tom, you were right all along. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Dana. Um, I just realised. Wait, what? So, in the trivia, I'm actually wrong. Uh, Is so it actually? It... When yeah, did Nigel so... Pearson, in what universe did Nigel Pearson manage Hull? So he managed them from the 29th oh, of June, did, 2010, yeah. to the 14th of November, 2011, wow. uh, where Barmy took over the 14th of November, 2011, to May, 8th of May, 2012. Um, so that result, in gen- that result uh, where Millsborough won 4-2, was 23rd of April, 2011. So head-to-head, you were wrong. It was Nigel Pearson and not Nick Well, Because I, I, you threw me a little bit, Tom Well, so I was listening to, to Ant there, and I was like, hmm. That doesn't feel right. So anyway, no, the funny yeah, thing is as well. The funny thing is as well. Nick Barnby was going to be my first answer before I remembered Nigel Pearson. Ah. Oh, the listeners will, will have clocked that, and then will have had to listen to that voice note, and then to find yeah. out the actual correction. Jesus, Johnny. Oh. Absolute schoolboy error. Anyway, let's do, do predictions then, because Hull uh, have been very, very good uh, this season. Very hard to beat, of course. And they're coming to the Riverside, you know, with a little bit of in and out of form, but are starting to rack up some injuries. But, guys, what's our predictions uh, for the game? Uh, Dan, I'll let you go first. What's your prediction? I am going to go for a 2-1 Borough victory and the one goal for Hull will be inevitably Aaron Connolly because I thought he was injured. Turns out that he's back now, so it would just be so fitting if Aaron Connolly comes back to the Riverside and scores a legitimate goal because he was honking for us, let's be honest. So yeah, 2-1 Borough, Aaron Connolly scores for Hull though. Yeah, you know what I mean? So he can just, he's fit again, ready to go to Pally Park. Um, Tom, uh, who are you, who are you, what's your prediction going to be, sorry? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 Borough. And to kind of preempt your next question, I'm going to be going for Matt Clark as an anytime goal scorer. Fantastic. So there you are, Tom. You're rounding off uh, your Tom's bet anytime with Matt Clark uh, to score. And I will go with a one-all draw. I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think Hull are probably one of the best teams out of possession uh, in the championship. And they look pretty good. And, you know, with our injuries, etc., I feel like this could be a really difficult game for us. Um, although last year, I remember where Hull came to and they were really, really good in that first half. And in the second half, we just blew them away with Archer and with Akpom. But we'll we'll soon see. But for guys, that's, that's it. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much uh, for joining us, as always. And don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That helps us get found, charted, and all that kind of fun stuff. But for right now, three defeats in four, and the Limp Borough are about to get thrown to the Tigers. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was like a Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. The Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.